entrepreneurs, business leaders, and professionals who seek excellence. Bringing the business classroom to you. It's the Business Builders Show on the Business Builders Media Network. Here's Marty Wolf. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Business Builders Show. My name is Marty Wolf. I am the host of the Business Builders Show, and I'm delighted to have a special guest with me today, someone who's with us been with us before and that is August Turek. Hi Augie, how are you today? How are you doing? Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Love it. Uh, it's, a, it's a delight to have you. Uh, we'll get into the different books that you've written but today we are going to focus on your latest book and I'm going to read it so I get everything accurate and Augie's latest book is Not Less Than Everything, One Man's Quest for Spiritual Enlightenment. Wow. So a little bit of an introduction. As a member of the original team that launched MTV, that's music television, and a successful high-tech entrepreneur, Turek had what most people consider to be the life, the good life. But he was not happy. This is the book. This is the inspirational true story of how Augie Turek overcame crippling depression and despair through a daring quest for life's ultimate meaning, and purpose. A uh, search for transcendence. Transcendence. Wow, Augie, uh, I can't wait to get into this book, but I do want to mention, in addition to uh, not less than everything, One Man's Quest for Spiritual Enlightenment. There's the picture of that for those who are seeing. He also wrote a book called Business Secrets of the Trappist Monks, which I will put in the show notes, and one of my favorite books of all time called Brother John. And I'm sure we'll touch on these as we go through it. Okay, Augie, uh, I read your book, Not Less Than Everything, One Man's Quest for Spiritual Enlightenment. Augie, this is an incredibly personal story. Um, wow. So, when and why did you decide to share some incredibly intimate details of your journey? What what got this in your mind and heart? Wow, that's an incredibly good question. Um and um, there's several different kinds of answers I can give you. One would be the accidental answer. You know, of course, in my first book, Business Secrets, I talk about happy accidents. And I was going, invited to Rome to speak to the Pontifical um, University in, in the Vatican about my first book, Business Secrets of Trappist Monks, back in 2020. And um, right, the, right when we were about to leave, they canceled because of the virus. I went anyway with my brothers and had an incredible time because we had room to ourselves. But when I got back, that was March of 2020, everything was closed. I was closed in. And so uh, I was going through, um, uh, you know, some old emails. And I saw an email from the guy that helped me put the book proposal together for Business Secrets of the Trappist Monks back in 2012 or whatever that was. And I hadn't spoken. I've never met the man. Um, he lives on the West Coast. He's a writer himself. He teaches uh, creative writing at you know, University of Southern California. And um, Alex Schnitzler is his name. And I saw this wonderful email from him that he wrote to me back when we were working together on the proposal for Business Secrets of the Trappist. So I just banged an email out to him. And I said, Alex, you still out there, you, know, you old son of a gun. you know? And boom, <laughs> his email was still good. He wrote back to me. And he said, uh, 
I said, hey, you know, Alex, now that I got you, I got all this stuff that I've been writing for years about my spiritual journey and stuff. And I mean, you know, and she said, send it to me. I sent it to him with like 600 pages of all this different stuff I'd written. And he wrote back and he said, there's all kinds of wonderful stories here. He said, but neither one of these manuscripts is a book. And he, he got me on the phone and he said, Augie, he said, what's missing is you as the protagonist. He said, are you comfortable being the star of your own book? And I said, yes, uh, no. He said, it's clear here. He said, so let's talk. We're already touching about all my books now. He said, the reason why people love Brother John so much, your book, Brother John, he said, is not because they identify with Brother John. He's the saint. We can't identify with the saint. He said, people identify with you and the struggles you were going through. Wow. And he said, um, and you've got to take you, you've got to let people identify with you and take this trip with you. He said, um, and that was the first. And then the second thing he said to me was, um, why did you get into spirituality? Why did you take this trip? And I said, oh, Alex, people have been asking me that for years and years. And he said, I, my answer is always, well, I was called. It's a vocation. But nobody wants to hear that nowadays. And he said to me, he was really stern. He said, that ain't going to cut it. And he threw in a kind of little profanity in there, too. He said, that ain't going to cut it. He said, people want to know. you got to answer that question. So that's the kind of the accidental reason why I went back and started really um, um, none of the stuff about my depression and, and the trouble that I was in as a college student was new information. It wasn't like I was unearthing repressed memories or anything like that. But yeah. as I started into the process, these things came out. The second reason wow. why I, I decided to do it's such a deep dive and so personal was I want to turn people on to what I believe is an authentic spiritual quest. Um, and if I'm going to, um, you know, turn people on, I've got to be, I got to show the vulnerability. I got to show the authenticity. I got to tell the truth. Uh, in the same way, you don't write a book about seeking the truth and then hide the truth. I mean, it, it just doesn't make sense. The final reason is that uh, so many people over the years have said, wow, you, so many cool things have happened to you. You have all these stories. How, how come you've never written them all down? So that's the third reason why I did it. Wow. Well, again, I'm not sure when the spiritual journey actually started, but maybe we'll start with... Well, you tell me where you want to start, but uh, the first, I guess, official launch is this gentleman by the name of Mr. Rose. Uh huh. Right. What an interest. What an interesting journey. <laughs> so, 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 so you can start anywhere you want. I, I, I thought maybe that was a leaping off. Point. Yeah, I mean, you may want to go before that. I don't know. Well, go yeah, ahead. I mean, the books. The book starts with me. It actually starts with me jumping out of an airplane in 1996. Oh, that's. And right. then yeah, it goes yeah, yeah. into a retrospective where it goes back to when I'm 19 on the beach. And I'm sharing with a young girl that I met on the beach that summer, uh, Nancy, um, all the onks that I'm going through. Um, you know, what is the life worth living? How can you end up, you know, back then, 60s, 70s, we were all, you know, uh, we didn't want to end up with 2.3 kids and a white picket fence and two cars and a mortgage and, and wondering what the hell happened, where did my life go? And um, and I wanted something meaningful, something, you know, I say early in the book, I said, uh, I quoted from um, Apocalypse Now, one of my favorite movies, if not my favorite movie, where Willard, Martin Sheen's character, says, he said, uh, I wanted a mission, and for my sins they gave me one, and I never want another one. And I said, yes, that's what I wanted. I wanted a mission. I wanted a mission so good and so pure 
that I could give myself utterly to it without reservation, without any sense that there would ever be any, and I called it a redemptive mission. And then I stumbled about into Zen Buddhism, and I got really, really fascinated by the clean way in which Zen treats, uh, and it introduced me to this idea that there's this thing called Satori, or cosmic consciousness, or the yoga, in yoga it's called Samadhi, and Christianity is the Unio Mystico, that there's this cataclysmic spiritual experience that solves all of our life's problems, that answers all your questions, and gives you a certainty about what life is all about. Um, and that, something in that just grabbed me. And lo- not long after that, one of my friends, Ray Sosko, um, who I only identify as Ray in the book, um, yeah. who I still know, by the way, um, called me up and said that this guy was giving a speech on Zen at the Theosophical Society. And that's how I met this wild West Virginia, crazy hillbilly Zen master, Richard Rose. <laughs> it was, you're so descriptive in the book. Uh, it's, it's it's really it's really great. Uh, he sounded like quite a character. I, I like to meet this guy. I like I would have liked to have met him, you know, uh, back then. It's, uh, you know, it's funny that you say that because I'm I'm working on the audio version of the book, yeah. and I hired this wild, crazy sound engineer here in Raleigh, North Carolina. I live on a farm outside of Raleigh, and um, it turns out he's he's a, he's a really really country. He's from Lizard Lick, North Carolina. But he's also uh, incredibly accomplished. He works with Aerosmith and all these bands. He does, goes on tour with them to do all kinds of technology for them. And so uh, he starts into the audio version of this book. We get about two chapters or three chapters in. And he says, and I hear in my headphones, he says, son, he's about 20 years younger than me, he calls me son. Son, he ain't, ain't nobody going to buy this book. And I said, what? I said, Matt, why do you say that? He says, because you're, you're telling people the truth. He said, he says, people don't want the truth for free, let alone buy it. Well, the reason I thought of, the reason I thought about him is he said about 20 times, boy, I'd like to have met that Richard Rose guy. I'd really like yeah, to meet that yeah, Richard Rose yeah. guy. Yeah. He's, he, uh, well, he had a, obviously a huge impact on your life and, uh, and everything going on. I want to mention several times, so I'm going to break in now and say we are speaking with August Turak, and you can learn more about him and his book at augustturak.com. That's T-U-R-A-K, augustturak.com. I am calling him Augie. I feel like we're friends since I've read his books and we've communicated over the years. I have to ask this question, maybe not in the right order. Uh, Explain the title. Ah. Less than everything. Ah. Not less than everything. One, I get, the, I get the one man's quest for spiritual enlightenment, but not less than everything. Help me. All right. I mean, uh, I tell you, you're asking some darn good questions. You know, matter of fact, I was on last night. I was on something, another um, podcast last night, and the guy said to me, he "said What question would you like people to ask that they know?" Well, you've already asked two really good ones. Um, okay, good. So um, I'm, I'm a big fan of T.S. Eliot's poetry. And, Obviously, it's throughout T- the book. And yes. T- yes, and T.S. Eliot wrote uh, the uh, Four Quartets, and it's a mystical uh, poem. It's the best, you know, all these paradoxical things of, you know, and it all is built and woven with the idea of time. I really, my my analysis is that T.S. Eliot is trying to give us God's perspective because eternity doesn't mean a lot of time. You know, when somebody says, well, you're going to be someplace for eternity, that doesn't mean years and years and years and years. Eternity is outside of time. There is no time. It's beyond time. 
And um, and one of the my favorite, favorite quotes, which I always tell people, in my opinion, T.S. Eliot is telling us, this is my definition of spirituality. He doesn't actually say that in the poem, obviously. But he says, a condition of complete simplicity costing not less than everything. And, wow. um, okay. and that's, you know, I have that quote right in the beginning of the book. A condition yeah, yeah. of complete simplicity costing not less than everything. And I always like to de delineate for people. We're not talking about simple mindedness. We're not talking about simpleness. We're talking about simplicity in the same sense that when I first started taking golf lessons, my golf pro said, I want to give you a simple, low energy, natural, spontaneous, repeatable golf swing. Simple. And if you're a hockey fan, I'm kind of a hockey fan. You know, it, it's ad nauseum. It's annoying, actually, if they interview these darn guys. Got to keep it simple. We've got to keep it simple. Got to keep it simple. And and um, so simplicity is the essence, you know. And to me, what he also means is simplicity means um, getting getting out of your own way. It means uh, uh, self, you know, ultimate humility. He says later in yeah. the poem, and I actually quote it, and as you mentioned, each each one of my chapters has an excerpt at the beginning yeah. from Four Quartets, which I'm hopefully yes. people notice maybe that I I think it picks up on the themes of that chapter. And at one point, yeah, one of them says, there is only humility, and humility is endless. So the wow. spiritual path is a is a complete more and more humility. Um mm. And uh, and that's what I think he means by utter simplicity. But it costs everything. Yeah. It, well, let's let's go down that road for a minute. Okay. Because you started this as a young man. You had some tough times that you detailed in the book. Mm -hmm. But in the meantime, you're a successful business person. Right. I mean, you're you're at MTV. You're high tech. You're doing some good stuff, man, through all of this. Right. How, how did you keep it glued together, I guess, is the question. I, that, you know, that's, that's... Or didn't you? <laughs> I, I, well, you know, it's a, it's kind of like when I finally told that Bill Richards, that psychologist, when I was finally... The, the crisis comes right before the spiritual experience that is the culmination yeah. of the book. I said, I'm coming apart. And he says, no, you're coming together. <clears throat> but... Um, you know, the biggest one of the biggest comments that I'm getting repeatedly... Uh, I can't even, you know, from people that I've, close friends that I sent the book to before I published it, looking for a blurb, uh, people who are close friends and even family members who have read it since it's come out. I thought I knew you and I didn't know you at all. Wow. Most people uh, think they know, well, I, I, I was, um, my college working with these college kids has really paid off for me in a thousand different ways, uh, even though everybody critiqued me when I was coaching college students on college campuses on spirituality for free, especially my dad. You know what the hell you're doing? You're working for free. You're not even on the faculty. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's paid. One of the things that it paid off for me is I ended up doing some work for a, a company called Yext in New York back in 2010. I only worked for four months. They were my former students from Duke. They couldn't pay me. So they gave me a bunch of stock. I only worked four months. I came home, forgot about it. They went public for a couple billion dollars. The stock was twenty-eight dollars a share. So I wrote to my, 
I wrote to my brothers and I said, I said, uh, well, my ship has come in. And my brother John wrote back. He said, your ship came in the day you were born. Uh, And I think Mm. a lot of people who know that part of my life that you're talking about, being one of the founders of MTV, being the protege of the guy who started the IBM Executive School, um, being a successful entrepreneur, selling companies, you know, uh, that, man, my life has just been this. My my father used to (laughs) My dad, my dad has seven sons and then a daughter. He had eight children, you know, and I'm his oldest. And he used to say to me, he said, he said, Augie, if you fell in a pile of poop, you'd come out with a $20 bill, but he didn't say poop. <laughs> yeah, I got it. <laughs> you'd come out with a 20 that, and that, I think that's what most people think. They, yeah. they don't have any idea of the internal struggles that I was going through. Yeah. And I think that's the, again, this is called the business builder show. Mm-hmm. So, so I, I'm. I certainly struggle, just like everybody else, in different things. I was just talking to a friend of mine before we before we came on to, to do this interview, and we got talking about. It. I said, "I got to stop talking about it. My counseling session is over. I got to talk to the guy who wrote the book." Mm-hmm. He says, "Well, we all feel this every now and then to differing degrees." So that was one of the questions I was going to ask you. Are, uh, so people are saying, "I don't. I, I thought I knew you, but I didn't." Are you getting uh, folks calling you, emailing you, sending letters, when saying? Wow, I really identified this with with this because I too am struggling, or I too am looking for this transcendence. Are you getting that kind of feedback? Yeah, yes, and um, uh, I've gotten some couple of deeply, deeply personal um, emails. A uh, one um, one guy said, um, uh, "Augie, this is a great book, and it's uh, I'm, I admire the authenticity." He says, but I have to say, I squirm through the whole book yeah, um another another guy who actually is in my um i won't identify him but he is actually in my first book uh, business secrets of trappist monks and he wrote um and he said uh well actually i, I can't write his name is kenny he was the guy that owned one tree because he gave me a blurb that basically said this and he said yeah, yeah. um he had one tree software which was the company i worked with in my first co- uh, business secrets book but anyway he said um August Turak outlines the the way life should be, uh, the way I should be living my life. So the question remains, why am I not living it that way? And um, I got an email from a guy I went to prep school with who I haven't, I've talked to maybe twice in 50 years. And we were friendly at school, but we weren't best friends or anything. And he said, I can't even imagine taking this kind of a, he said, I am a meek person. I am a mild person. He said, I don't have the courage. I don't to, to have undertaken something like this. So, um, uh, so I have, so the answer, yes, I have gotten from, um, uh, from a, a number of people. Uh, the other thing that men especially seem to relate to is, is the idea that plagued me throughout my whole life my whole spiritual path is I want to go all in. I want to live life all in. I want to live, I keep using the expression at the edge of possibility. I want to be everything I could possibly be as a human being and as a man. Um, and that means, you know, uh, throwing caution, throwing all your fears to the wind and really just going for it. So what would it mean to, if you took life itself as the thing you were going for, which is that story about that, which I love that story in the beginning of my book of the Vietnam vet talking about what yes. it was like to live in Vietnam when he was a hundred percent committed 
you know, just as he called it a single point of white hot intensity called life. To, to live in that spot, T.S. Eliot calls it the still point of the turning world. Um, and I wanted that so desperately. And But what I found throughout my life was because of fear. You know, the basic thing is fear that you always hedge. You always keep one. Yeah. You, you go, I kept coming back to the analogy. You got one foot on the gas, one on the brake. One on the gas, yep. one on the brake. Um, yeah. Always trying to hedge your bets. And, uh, and I hated myself for that because, you know, uh, you, you know, you're always hedging. You're always. And so I think a lot of men especially relate to that, um, that longing to know what it would be like. I've often said, by the way, that one of my, my greatest thank, thing, I'm, one of the things I'm most thankful for is I never had to go to Vietnam. And one of the things I'm most regretful for is I didn't have to go to Vietnam. I share it. Exactly the same feelings. Because yeah, because I'm with you. every man wants to know what would he do under maximum when everything is on the line. When every guess, single yep. thing is on the line, would you crumble up or would you pull it off? And, uh, and, I, wow. and one of the wonderful things that comes out of this book is I found that out. Because yeah. I got to that point it's towards the end of the book where I or I called my company. I was in Baltimore working with that Bill Richards. Everything's <laughs> coming down around my head. And uh, and I called up and I said, I'm never coming home because I'm either going to die or go be institutionalized. And one of my partners. That hit me when I read that. That hit me. <laughs> yeah. And my, and, my, and my partner, Dave Gold, blurts out, who was a form, also a student of Richard Rose's. And he says, well, what do you know for sure? Which if I'd have been in a better frame of mind I might have laughed about he he said that because I was terrifying and he couldn't think of anything else to say because he yeah. Richard Rose when he would meet somebody he would say hi the name's Rose what do you know for sure that was his that was his opener that was his opening line yeah, yeah. what do you know for sure and <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. so he asked me what I know for sure and then spontaneously I just said I'll tell you I said I had a dream last night that the psychologist I'm working with you know Bill Richards said you're so beat up Augie you've been through so much why don't you go back to Raleigh and rest up for a month or so and come back and we'll finish this. And I said, Dave, in my dream, I said, no. I said, it ends here. It ends here, Dave. I no longer can live another moment of my life in fear and ignorance. I don't care whether I die or go insane. It ends here. And to me, that's when I hit the condition of complete simplicity where I was willing to risk everything. So as I read the book and as others have read it, I mean, that hit home for me, that those thoughts. I think the other part of it, Augie, is that I thought of vulnerability, especially men hate that idea of being vulnerable. Um, you know, like some of the things you said, I just like, my God, this guy's got courage. You know, and but as I'm reading, I'm thinking, well, there's a whole lot of people, including me, not all the book, but there's including me who would identify with that and could think about that. So I, I like it. I like it on the obviously the personal level. And I like it on the business level because this was a this wasn't a three month journey you went through. Let's make this. It wasn't a weekend retreat. <laughs> no, this was I mean, you had plenty of those and you were away. But this was a this was decades, right? Yes. Yeah. 
So you can't back away. You've got to keep going for it, right? Right, right. As you did. Well, you get, well, Richard Rose kept saying, you know, which is one of the things, well, today, you know, when I talk to people, one of the reasons I wanted to write the book too, or what I like about the book is I want to cut through the nonsense. You know, spirituality is not mindfulness and just being in the, just trying to remind yourself to stay in the present or it's not your weekly yoga class. It's not, you know, and, and Rose at one point in the, in the book, um, says commitment. It's all about commitment. And this is something I work really hard on in, uh, to explain in my first book on, in the business sense, you yeah. have to have a back against the wall mentality. We started our business on $2,500, and Dave Gold, the same guy who said, what do you know for sure, said, our, bu- we're, we're, our business plan is we're smart guys, we'll figure out something to do. But we had a back-against-the-wall mentality. We were going to either be successful or die trying. Yeah. And you have to have the same attitude about everything in life, and you have to have that attitude about spirituality. And so I wanted to bring that home, and for me to uh, cut through the nonsense of uh, – of you know, um, by by the way, in my first book, I talk a lot about the hero's journey, and and in a way, this now this is me, this is the here me taking the hero's journey, and I made a big point that the third stage of the hero's journey, the first is the call. This is when the the burning bush calls to Moses, or in a movie, it's always when the, the telephone call rings and and somebody tells Clint Eastwood that he's got to come back to the army because only he can save the world, and you know he's an alcoholic <laughs> and he, you know, blah blah blah. And and the second yeah. stage is the resistance to the call because Moses tells the burning bush, "I'm not the guy," uh, you know. And of course, and when when Clint Eastwood first gets the call, I wouldn't come back. I wouldn't work with you guys again. So there's always resistance to the call. And then finally, the hero accepts the vocation. And then the next stage is the desert. And this is the this is the trials and tribulations. This is the this is the um, Israelites wandering around in circles for forty years, or what Rose told me was ever decreasing concentric circles until you run your own butt up, up your own butt and disappear. Nobody wants to go to the desert. Everybody wants to pitch spirituality without the desert. Just say your mantra three times a day. Just eat brown rice. You know, it's 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 the spiritual uh, version of eat everything you want and you'll still lose weight. Just take this pill. Just, you know, say this mantra and you can eat anything else. No, you got to go to the desert. And for me to demonstrate, for me to make that point, I got to show people how I went to the desert. Yeah. yeah. Another <laughs> thing I'd like, to, I'd like to throw in here at this go point. Go ahead. Go ahead. Which sure. is, go ahead. It's funny that you said it takes so much courage for me to uh, be show as much vulnerability and be it open. And the funny thing is, is the spiritual experience that I had in 1998 made that effortless. I don't, I don't feel like it took any effort at all or any courage. You know, that's yeah, who okay. I am. Right. That's just you, who I you. am. You developed into that over time, and you went in all in, and uh, yeah, that's who that's who I am, and I'm, I don't have fear. I don't live in fear anymore. And so, what can they do to me? And yeah, and that's the yeah. point that I also want to make is that after battling depression all my life from the age of fourteen, and then when I break my ankle in the skydiving accident, and I hit the dark night of the soul, and and have two years of an unbelievable depression. Um, I've never had a moment's depression in 25 years now. Not one moment. Now, my brother was killed in, a, in an accident. 
Um, and I got very, very sad. That's not depression. That's normal. That's natural. That's good. I have not had a moment's anxiety, not had a moment, you know, uh, you know, and, and the, probably one of the most, uh, important stories that I tell in the book, which I don't know how many people pick up on it, but I, after I come back from Baltimore, after I have this spiritual experience, I go to see my mentor over at Duke University and I tell him everything I went through and what I found. And he says, he puts his hand on my shoulder and he says, Augie, there's no doubt in my mind, you have been seized by the hand of God. He said, but I'm so glad that he has taken a gentler path with me. And the next thing I remember, I'm standing in the middle of this beautiful Gothic chapel, completely empty except for me. I'm crying like a baby. And the only thought in my mind was, he doesn't know what he just said. I would go through a million times the suffering I just went through to find a fragment of what I found on the other side. And this is wow. what I really, this is my vocational call. This book is my call, trying to reach out to other people and saying, take the trip. Remember the story with Richard Rose when I, when he, when he, the hippies come in and they try to freak on him and, uh, the yeah. Ziggy, Ziggy, Ziggy and Ziggy and, the, and yeah. they try to, and, uh, he turns yeah. it completely around and, and turns them into his, his, uh, his, his followers. And eventually I end up saying, why don't you, end, you know, asked him, well, how, how'd you do this? What did it? And he finally says, he says, he said, it was some of that and none of that and BS besides. He said, I got a better, instead of asking me all these stupid questions, take the trip. Why don't you just take the trip? He said, then you won't have to ask me anything. I want people to take the trip, not read a book, not read another darn book and then put it up on the shelf. Read, take the trip. That's one of the reasons we're here. To try to get as many people to read the book, they're going to have to read the book first, and or maybe they're well on their journey, and this could be further, whatever you want to call it, inspiration or learning to keep going through uh, whatever you might be going through. And again, this is not exclusive. Business people have these struggles, as everybody else does, uh, but I love the book. So we're going to wrap up. I'm going to tell everybody again, first of all, his website is augustturak.com, T-U-R-A-K. Uh, his latest book, again, is not less than everything. He explained what that means, T.S. Eliot. By the way, on the cover, it says there's somebody who gave this uh, book some support. And here's what this, this is what this person says. It says, when it comes to spirituality and life, Turak is as, as authentic as it gets. Wonderful read. And that person is one of my favorite actors, Michael Keaton. Who is your friend from Pittsburgh? Yeah, Michael Keaton's an old friend of mine. But I want to yeah. add, I want to throw in a couple quick things there. You come to sure. come to augustturek.com. We're offering the book for 50% off right now. And okay. Amazon is currently running a special special offer on the electronic version of okay. the book for 99 cents. So you can get the right. Kindle Kindle version of not less than everything for 99 cents and you can get 50% off on the on the on the actual book also there's a lot of articles and stuff that i wrote for forbes um sure. leadership articles that i wrote for forbes as you can find on my website too yeah go to the website check it out and again his other book books are brother john and the business secrets of the trappist monks you'll love all of his work augie thank you for your work thank you for your journey thank you for your authenticity of sharing it with us our audience is going to enjoy it. Thank you so much. Well, for God bless you. I really, really enjoyed it. And by the way, super questions. 
Thank you for listening to the Business Builders Show on the Business Builders Media Network. Find all our shows and many other great podcasts at businessbuildersmedia.com. That's businessbuildersmedia.com. 